Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. 106.7 The Fan coming at you live on this Friday evening, November 18th, 2022. Six days out from Thanksgiving. We're on your AM, FM dial, the Odyssey app, and the stream at thefandc.com. I'm Danny Noakes. Caitlin in studio producing the show. We've got college football here for the next 30 minutes. And to begin that conversation, let's head on over to the BetQL guest hotline. Bet smart and beat the books with BetQL. And let's give a warm welcome to my buddy John Laser, play-by play broadcaster for the national sports network he's on the call for number one georgia at kentucky tomorrow and he is the founder of the nonprofit lasers ladybug society you can find him on twitter at lays pxp lays great to be with you buddy this is the third different radio station i've had the pleasure of chatting with you on glad you're here man I think that's a personal record, and I think it also means that we've diverted our careers in unexpected paths since we met a few years ago, but great to be with you too, man. Couldn't have said it better myself, buddy. And, you know, before we start looking at some of these games, I think we should start by, of course, acknowledging what happened in in Charlottesville last weekend, a tragedy with three UVA football players killed in a shooting, two more injured. I know you must have a lot of friends in Charlottesville from your six-plus years as the voice of the Hokies, who's not playing this weekend and understandably so just a really sad situation and and obviously hoping that these folks and and their families are able to find some peace relatively soon yeah certainly echo that and now living in richmond being even closer to charlottesville and a lot of those relationships go back more than a decade at this point for me and my family and i think what has been so gut-wrenching about it on top of the obvious which is the loss of three extremely bright futures and young men is that even in a world and a society where the horrific has become unfortunately more fathomable in the recent years, this was still impossible to to fathom because it's at a place where we expect safety, particularly on the grounds there at UVA. And I know that those players and their circle of brothers and social circles would expect that as well, particularly on a trip like at the end of this happens. So it's just really hard, man. You know, you wake up to the news earlier this week and it's really hard, even as someone who is not on the inside of that family or that program to digest. You know, Lavelle Davis, I remember, you know, as I was breaking down Tech UVA a few years ago, going, how are we going to stop this kid? Right. Six, seven, and, you know, incredible hands. And obviously football is not important, but it's just those names jump off at you. And, and you know, no one has the words uh, in terms of how to move forward except that would try to do it together and and just an incredibly difficult situation that happens to involve college football players but would have been every bit as tragic had it been UVA students majoring in anything and participating in anything. 
Yeah, and, and that's the reality of the situation. They just happened to be football players, and, and they happened to play on a team. It, it could have been anyone there, and it would have been equally as, as tragic. And again, extending our thoughts, our prayers to, to the folks out there. If, if there's been one thing that has been somewhat of a dim light in, in this darkness, it's, it's seeing people jump in to, to support the family down there, the families down there at the University of Virginia. So, uh, Lays, there are some, some other college football games that, that I wanted to kind of pick your brain about here obviously UVA not playing this week I would be surprised if they do at the rest of the season but you've had the chance to to do some traveling this this fall you had the chance to call some really high profile games alongside your broadcast partner former Hokie standout Luther Maddie I want to go back to September 1st though you had the pleasure of doing that that Tennessee Pittsburgh game when the Vols were only ranked number 24 which seems forever ago Pitt was still ranked at 17 too we've seen these two teams go in different directions but that must have been a lot of fun wasn't it it was on a variety of levels. It's a remarkably fun as a play-by-play broadcaster to call Josh Heupel's offense because it's so fast-paced and also on the cadence once you get into a rhythm. And then, of course, me having the familiarity with Hendon Hooker um, and also a couple of guys on that Tennessee roster just from crossways along the way. But in full disclosure, you looked at that game and Tennessee won it in overtime and, and they were a touchdown favorite going into that game. I certainly did not come off thinking that they were going to be where they are now, which I believe if Georgia wins out, which I think they're going to do, I don't see a way in which Tennessee is not in the college football playoff. And the reason I say that is because that offense is the headliner and should be, but that defense has been a heck of a lot better. When we went into that game, one of the first of the year for Tennessee, there were a lot of question marks about the front seven on that defense, particularly whether or not they're going to be able to stop the run. And still people don't talk enough about that particular unit that Tennessee defense I think has been the most surprising in a positive way in the country and a large reason why they're positioned where they are right now we're talking with John Laser, play-by-play broadcaster for National Sports Network. He's got the call of the number one Georgia-Kentucky game tomorrow. You can find him on Twitter at LaysPXP. Now, back in October, Lays, you were on, the, on hand for Clemson's win over NC State, which was also a very exciting game. It happened to be Clemson's 37th straight win in Death Valley. I'm curious as to what that experience was like, the atmosphere. Uh, you did get to run down the hill and touch Howard's Rock, correct? I shuffled down the hill, man. And there's video documentation. I was not going to blow out an Achilles. That hill is steeper than it looks on TV. Uh, But, yeah, we did have a lot of fun that day. And that was the remnants of Hurricane Ian that were expected to disrupt that weekend. And we got exceptionally fortunate in that the weather turned out to be beautiful, uh, you know, unfortunate to those that the storm turned into their path. But it didn't happen to be Clemson, South Carolina. So we got the full game day experience at Clemson, which shockingly in seven seasons is the voice of Virginia Tech. We had never had. We can, I don't, I'll save the conversation on the ACC schedule model for another time. Uh, but yeah, it was magnificent. They put on a show there in Clemson for sure, including coming down the hill, but just the tailgating and the scene there in Clemson. And But again, coming off of that game, you know, Clemson wins that game. DJ Uyunglele plays exceptionally well in that game, I still didn't think that that was a college football playoff-worthy Clemson team, and I think that's really come to light since then, and clearly without Devin Leary, NC State is not on that tier or even remotely close to it. But that game and that environment were electric. It was, again, I think them along with Virginia Tech, it's the two best environments I've seen for home stadiums in the ACC for sure. 
There you go. Clemson, Virginia Tech, couple of places for any of the folks around here in DMV. If you haven't made it to a college football game to one of those venues, you would be best served to do just that. Now, Lays, obviously this weekend we've been teeing it up. It's another game in the SEC for you to call. Number one, Georgia visiting Kentucky in what would have been a matchup of two ranked teams before the Wildcats dropped a game to Vanderbilt last week, which ended Vandy's ridiculous SEC losing streak. But all eyes clearly going to be on the dogs here as they try to finish out their regular season strong, get back to the college football playoffs, stay undefeated. As you get ready for this game, what stands out to you about Kirby Smart's team and the way that they've been playing recently? They're so exceptionally balanced, Danny. You look at that defense, historically good last year, where all of their three on the defensive line, first-round draft picks, <laughs> and you say, okay, how are they going to replace that? And they, I don't want to say they've done it by committee because there's NFL talent there, but you just don't have the superstar names like you did, but you don't need it because they're just so deep in how Coach Smart has built that program. You know, They come in waves. I'm looking at their roster going, I can see 10, 11, 12 guys on that defensive line that would start for 98% of the programs in the country. That's incredible. And that is also something you can apply to pretty much every position group as to say nothing of their linebackers who are the best in the country, I think. Uh, and on it goes, man. And, and you just see that gulf that is a source of frustration for a lot of, of fan bases, but a source of pride for the Georgia fan base right now because, man, they've done a great job in terms of roster construction. And I've also discovered that when you go from being the voice of an institution like I was, where obviously your hope every week is that your team wins, to doing it at the national level, you're hoping for a good game. And as I broke this game down, and Vegas would tend to agree with a 22-and-a-half-point line, I just don't know, even though it's at home, I can't find a way that Kentucky stays in this game. Yeah, and, and that's part of the reason why a lot of the eyes of this game will be on the dogs. Three touchdown favorites and a little bit of change there. Hey, but it's going to be chilly in Lexington. It's a true road game. The only team that played Georgia to one possession this year was actually Missouri, who fell short in Columbia 26-22. But Georgia didn't score a touchdown until the fourth quarter of that game. Mark Stoops has done a pretty good job with Kentucky. He's the winningest head football coach in their school history over there. So what does the formula even look like for them if, if they're going to pull off what appears to be the impossible? Well, again, it's something that they haven't been able to do against much less formidable opponents, which are rare in the SEC, but you would certainly put Vanderbilt in that category. You come into this year, Will Levis being touted really more on projectability than past performance, whether it be at Penn State uh, or here as a first-round draft pick. Well, that hasn't come to fruition. A, he hasn't played that well. He hasn't thrown the football that well. But when that's the case, a lot of it is because your offensive line just hasn't stacked up. And they needed to retool what they refer to as the big blue wall. And it just hasn't come together the way they need it to. So the formula is they need to protect Levis, but they also need to play well in their run block scheme tomorrow because you've got to get Chris Rodriguez going. He's one of the best in the country at the running back position. But when you're going up against the monsters on that defense from Georgia, it doesn't necessarily matter if you're having contact right when you take the handoff. So if Kentucky can't find a way to not get dominated on the offensive line, they're going to get run out of their own stadium. And when you are at a disadvantage on both lines, which make no mistake, 
say Kentucky is, the weather's actually not in your favor, regardless of the fact that Georgia's used to warmer environments, because then it gets physical and then it gets to a wear down standpoint and the weather just doesn't help your cause. So again, they've got to keep Levis clean. They've more than likely got to win the turnover battle at more than a plus two, I would say, to stay in there. And they've got to find a way to run the football. And again, unfortunately, none of those things I see happening. Yep, I definitely don't either, and I don't see a whole lot of people picking Kentucky to upset Georgia in this game, but we'll see. Well, I don't know if they even covered any, to be honest. I mean, like you said, they're giving three touchdowns plus, Mm -hmm. uh, and I am not a betting expert. I don't want anyone to reach out to me on social media if this doesn't come true, but I would would take Kentucky – or excuse me, take Georgia and lay those points. Yeah, Georgia's Georgia's on a roll right now. They're they're looking good, and you know, number one Georgia at Kentucky. That's a three thirty kickoff. Listen to John Laser on the call alongside Luther Maddie three thirty on the National Sports Network. Lays before I let you go, buddy, I wanted to give you a chance to talk about Laser's Ladybug Society. I know the great work that you all are doing, you and your wife Renee. But what can you tell our listeners about the nonprofit you founded this year? What's coming up? How can folks find you? How can folks support you? Yeah, I really appreciate that and the time. And you guys, you and Val, uh, have been phenomenal personally supporting us. But essentially, when we moved back to Richmond, we did so because we had a great infrastructure there for something that's exceptionally important to us, and that is mental health advocacy, which I think is an extremely positive turn right now in terms of the conversation and people being willing to talk about it. However, there haven't been a lot of tangible fundraising efforts and where to go with that. And we have not perfected the model by any sense of the imagination. There's a lot of trial and error with this because there's just so much that we and a lot of people don't know. But we do feel as though we've found a direct path to get to younger people uh, help and counseling and outlets to address their mental health issues and struggles uh, in adolescence as they're coming along. So hopefully that can cut off some of the manifestation of what those become in adult life. And we've really of course, found a supportive community. Uh, We're right now branching out into corporate activism um, and bringing some larger partners and in turn larger money to that fight. And our ultimate dream is to put a model on display and in place in Richmond that can be replicated in school districts, public schools, which is what we're donating directly to uh, across the country. That's the big vision. We're doing that through local-based fun events. We like to be unique. We like to allow people of all ages and all demographics to play things pickleball we're doing a drive shack top golf event um, in the next couple of weeks mm-hmm. three on three basketball with justin robinson there people know in the dc area is going to help yeah. us out with in the spring so uh it's been a lot of fun it's been very rewarding it's been gratifying to see the direct impact already even though we've only been at it for a few months but in terms of getting involved you can find us on all the social media platforms at lasers ladybugs of course i spell my name oddly with two a's so laser with two a's ladybugs uh and you can also check us out on the web at lasersladybugs.org uh, and read up all about it and uh, like we say there's no activism and impact that's too small to help and there's certainly none that's too large either we'll cash your checks too Beautifully said, my friend. Hey, have a great call this weekend. Uh, Number one, Georgia and Kentucky should be a whole heck of a lot of fun. We will catch up again soon. We'll get some beverages again soon, buddy. We'll talk to you. (laughs) Oh, it's on the books, (laughs) and you're registered for that event at Draft Shack. That's right. Have a great rest of the show, man. Have a great rest of the show, man.
You too, buddy. There he goes. That's John Laser, play-by-play broadcaster for the National Sports Network. Again, he has the call number one Georgia and Kentucky alongside Luther Maddie, and he's the founder of the nonprofit Lasers Ladybug Society. You can find him on Twitter at LaysPXP. All right, we'll step aside, take a quick break, and come back, and we'll look at some more of the big games across college football in just a couple of minutes. Stick around. You're listening to 106.7 The Fan. Thanks again to John Laser. He'll be calling number one Georgia and Kentucky on National Sports Network tomorrow alongside Luther Maddie. So check out a little SEC action on the radio if you want to hear Lays make the call there. And before we get back into our college football too, just have to make a little mention of a caveat of a discussion that we were having at the end of the 645 segment coming up on the seven o'clock hour mentioned the Miami Dolphins the undefeated 72 Miami Dolphins that I said were 14 and 0 and that was only for the regular season that did not actually include the postseason as well they yes won three more games in the postseason to go 17 and 0 for the undefeated season overall and, of course, no one has finished the season undefeated. So, yeah, 50 years ago that happened. It's pretty crazy that it's now been that long. Obviously, I wasn't around for that. I was not born until 1993. But folks still celebrating every single year. More power to you. But back to college football. And we got some big games in college football this weekend. You know, there's also some snow that's starting to show up in some games, which I love. I love a good snow game. Western Michigan at Central Michigan was played in a snowstorm on Wednesday night. Western Michigan actually won 12-10, to 10, which is exactly the type of score that you would expect to see in a driving snowstorm. Might we see some more snow games this weekend? They already had to move the Bills game out of Buffalo in the National Football League. So I guess we'll see. And we'll talk about more of that in just a little bit but I know our guy Captain Todd is listening over in Houston and as we get into the college football slate for this weekend I mentioned that his Florida State Seminoles now in the top 25 they're number 20 in the AP poll and they're hosting Louisiana tomorrow they've got a noon kickoff but just real quick they have been really playing well since the second half of last season and back-to-back weeks Really impressive performances. They beat Miami 45-3 to a couple of weekends ago, and they're most recently coming off a 38-3 to thrashing of Syracuse. Both Miami and Syracuse had short times in the top 25 this year. Syracuse is a better team than Miami, by the way, and, and Florida State handled them all the same. Florida State's only three losses this year are to number 9 Clemson, NC State and Wake Forest. The Demon Deacons and the Wolfpack also spent time in the top 25 this year. Wake Forest is back in NC State, not because they lost their starting quarterback for the year. So it's understandable that that their season has kind of tapered off. But, you know, it started with a win over LSU this season for Mike Norvell in the Seminoles. I I don't want to go as far to say that anyone is back, right? Because who are the two teams that everybody says are back? Miami and Texas. Right? So I don't want to jinx what Florida State's got going on there. But you look at the results from last year, and they started playing these teams like NC State to within a couple of touchdowns, and they really stopped losing to teams that they shouldn't be losing to. So, uh, Todd, your Knowles are on the right track, my friend. They're doing a heck of a lot better than my Virginia Tech Hokies are this season. It's, it's painful. We'll get to them here in just a second. But other good games that I'm keeping an eye on across the college football slate this weekend, number four, TCU at Baylor. TCU recently making its debut in the college football playoff rankings. Can they hold on 
Big 12 teams don't often make the college football playoff. Certainly not if your name is in Oklahoma. So we'll see what TCU is able to do the rest of the season. I'm going to keep an eye on the Illinois-Michigan game. Number three, Michigan is hosting the Fighting Illini, Brett Bielema's team. Only reason I'm keeping an eye on this one is because Illinois has has made a little bit of noise. I think they had a cup of coffee in the top 25 at one point this season. No longer there, but you know maybe they give Michigan a scare. The good news for the Maize and Blue is that they're playing that game at home. Now, we mentioned number one Georgia at Kentucky. Obviously, Wildcats ranked number 24 last week before losing to Vanderbilt. And we just talked to one of the men that will be calling that game, John Laser. He'll be doing it on the radio for National Sports Network alongside Luther Maddy. Commodores were on a 26-game SEC losing streak before they beat Kentucky last week. And I do not expect Kentucky to be able to take down number one Georgia this week. You certainly heard John's thoughts. He doesn't think it's going to happen either. Got to play the games, but it's very hard to imagine just that. Now, a couple of things to look at here in the state of Virginia. UVA, obviously, canceling their game against Coastal Carolina. Very understandably so. My guess is that their game against Virginia Tech next week will also be canceled, but we'll have to see. There's no official decision on that yet. I saw some folks put sentiments out there that if UVA were to come to Blacksburg and the game was scheduled to be played in Blacksburg this year, that Virginia Tech would really roll out the red carpet, and the maroon carpet, if you will, and just try and make it as positive an experience for Virginia fans, coaches, staff members, players as possible because, and I'm a Virginia Tech alum, obviously we went through something very similar back in 2007, now a little over 15 years ago. In fact, my girlfriend who lives with me was on campus in 2007 when that happened and thank goodness she's still here today. So really feeling for the folks in Charlottesville, anyone affected by the shooting that happened last weekend and, and we'll continue to pray for you. We'll continue to think about you and we'll continue to do everything that we can to try and help move things forward there, even though obviously there's lives lost that we'll never be able to get back. But we did mention Virginia Tech, another team from the Commonwealth of Virginia. They play this weekend. They're on the road at Liberty, another Commonwealth team. And if you can believe it, Virginia Tech 2-8, and eight, Liberty 8-2, eight and two, and the Hokies are the 10-point underdogs here. Ten years ago, if you saw that, you would not have believed that it was even possible for Virginia Tech to have fallen this far. But here they are. If you remember the last time that Virginia Tech visited Liberty, well, they lost. And it was after a Hokies blocked field goal attempt. Yes, they were on the defensive side of the ball. And the Virginia Tech blocked a field goal, took it back for a touchdown that would have won the game for the Hokies. But Justin Fuente called a timeout before the ball was snapped. And that erased the touchdown and ultimately Liberty able to kick the game-winning field goal and Liberty walked away with a win. So I do not expect that to change this weekend. Virginia Tech has just been really bad. There's no sense of improvement on that team. Ten points is it would actually surprise me if Virginia Tech only lost by ten points on Saturday. Number two, Ohio State visits College Park this weekend. The Terps are coming off a couple of tough road losses, but I'm still keeping my eye on this one. Obviously, number two, the big bad Buckeyes are in town, but you look at Maryland's last couple of games, they've played some good teams two weeks ago, losing 23-10 to at Wisconsin, and then last week, 30 to nothing loss against number 14 Penn State. That one a little bit troubling. Shut out in Happy Valley. 
And I went to Wisconsin. I've never been to Penn State, but obviously those are two very difficult atmospheres to play in, and they played them back-to-back on the road. So maybe the Terps can get a little bit of offense going there against Ohio State, but obviously Talia Tagovailoa is a little bit banged up, and he's kind of been nursing an injury that has rendered him less effective than he was when he was healthy. Bedlam, number 22, Oklahoma State at Oklahoma is scheduled for this weekend as well. One of the last times that we will probably see this matchup with Oklahoma going to the SEC in a couple of years. But the rivalry has produced some high-octane games in the past. Oh, boy. Yep, a lot of points is what you should expect in that game. Now, real quick, we're wrapping things up here. Two best games of the weekend. They're actually both in the Pac-12, and they're on Saturday night. Number 7, USC, at number 16, UCLA. And number 10, Utah at number 12, Oregon. These are the top four teams in the Pac-12, naturally. Only UCLA has lost more than one Pac-12 games this year. They've lost two. And USC is the top dog. They're 9-1 overall, 7-1 in the Pac-12. But the Trojans' only loss this year was on the road at number 20, Utah, by a final score of 43-42. to Trojans still absolutely have a chance to make the playoff. Now, both Utah and Oregon have two losses. Utah lost to UCLA, and Oregon just lost to number 25, Washington. Not to mention they also lost their season opener to Georgia, who's still undefeated. So it's harder to see Utah or Oregon getting in, but it is possible. They're going to need USC, TCU, some of the other teams that we've mentioned to lose for, for that to actually happen. So there's a little run around college football. We'll step aside. We'll take a quick break and we'll come back and we will recap the Thursday night football game between the Titans and the Packers. King Henry, Ryan Tannehill, Tennessee getting a big win over Rodgers. What's going on there with Rodgers? Because it seemed like there was a little bit of momentum over the last couple of games. We're not dead yet, he said. And then comes out cold game Thursday night against Tennessee. They didn't look bad. But he did have a couple of bad passes when his team really needed them most. We'll break it down next on 106.7 The Fan. To wrap up our conversation on college football, and we're going to talk some Thursday night football here in just a second, but college game day on ESPN is in an unfamiliar place this weekend, and they're at Montana State University, and that is to observe the game between Montana State and Montana. So they're in Bozeman, Montana, which is said to be the coldest college game day ever between Montana and Montana State, where they're currently set up. I saw Pat McAfee was out there earlier today, real bundled up where he was doing his show from. So hmm, if you're out there in Montana, I'm sure you, you already know well to, uh, to, to bundle up because I'm sure it's very cold out there. That's where the snow comes in. We were talking about the snow, right? We'll get to more of that between the Bills and the Browns, their game having to be moved out of Buffalo because of snow. That's a little bit later on in our show. But Thursday night football, Titans at the Packers. It was a victory for the Tennessee Titans in what was a pretty well-rounded performance from them. I mean, King Henry, obviously, he's going to be in any game that Tennessee is able to win. He's probably going to be the biggest reason why. And it's hard to say that he wasn't last night. Although, we'll get to Ryan Tannehill's play here in just a second because he also has a large hand in whether or not Tennessee ultimately wins. It has to do with turnovers, right? Titans defense also hasn't been very good. 
obviously saw them play against the Commanders earlier this season, and the Commanders had a chance to beat them. But Derrick Henry had 87 yards on the ground against Green Bay last night, added his 10th rushing touchdown of the year. Not to mention he also threw a touchdown to Austin Hooper. A little jump pass action. It was a great play. Shades of Tim Tebow, but... With that rushing touchdown, Derrick Henry became the fifth player in NFL history to rush for a, uh, for 10 or more touchdowns in five straight seasons. I would say, among many other reasons, that man is headed to Canton, and there's no doubt about it. But the Titans in this game set season highs for total yards with 408 and points with 27. They've won seven of the last eight games. They're rolling. And a lot of it has to do with Derrick Henry, but a lot of it also has to do with Ryan Tannehill. He played well last. Last night, he did throw a pick, but he was 22 of 27 for 30, 333 yards, had two touchdowns to go along with it, and exactly what they need out of him, sans the turnover. Managed the game pretty well, actually only threw a handful of incompletions, so he was pretty efficient, all things considered. And yeah, the, the interception is, is hard to swallow sometimes, but you know that's the way it goes. Now, when you look at the other side, things going on with Green Bay, the Packers, Aaron Rodgers, just not the same, not the same quarterback that he was a year ago when he won MVP. And it, it just goes to show how good Devontae Adams is, certainly how good he was and how good he still is over there in Las Vegas playing for the Raiders. But Rodgers missed several open receivers in the fourth quarter last night while the Packers were trying to mount a comeback. I mean, he missed several I can't even point to just one because there were a handful at the end of the game where I just found myself going, oh, man, really? You overshot him that bad or you underthrew him that bad? It was cold and at times snowing during last night's game. So, yeah, the weather was a bit of a factor. But, I mean, Rodgers is used to playing in that type of weather. He certainly wouldn't use that as an excuse. And and I'm not trying to pile on him either. Losing Adams was obviously going to hurt, but when you consider the fact that the Packers opted not to really replace him with anyone, not anyone that's even in the same stratosphere in terms of talent is Devontae Adams. I mean, you can understand why this offense has taken such a large step back. Alan Lazard is Aaron Rodgers' best option, and I watched him drop a wide-open pass last night too. So, yeah, the, the Packers... The Packers are, are struggling a little bit, and you know it, it didn't look like that was going to be the case after their last couple of games. They got a couple of wins, but you know things change quickly in the National Football League, and that really seems to be what happened last night. It was a win over Dallas that, that really seemed to give Green Bay some momentum. You know they, they had lost five games in a row, the Giants, the Jets, the Commanders, the Bills, the Lions. You know, at least four of those teams have, have winning records between the Giants, Jets, Commanders, and Bills. The Lions do not. But, you know, now going up against the Cowboys and the Titans, they played a pretty difficult schedule this season, being the division winners out of the NFC North. And, and all things considered, they're not they're, – they're, they're in second place, the NFC North right now. They're unlikely, incredibly unlikely, to, to catch Minnesota, who's 8-1. and one. This season, a four and seven record is probably not going to propel you to, to catch them at any point, but um, we'll see what happens going forward. It was a good performance, and, and the Titans deserve a lot of credit for going and winning that game on the road. And just throwing this out there, Commanders already beat Green Bay. 
They were on the goal line with a chance to beat the Titans before Wentz threw that pick, so they could have easily been 2-0 and against those teams. Just saying, just, just throwing that out there. All right, let's take a quick break because we're just about ready to wrap up our conversation on this Thursday night football game. The game itself, we can put in the rear view. There was actually some fallout for one of the members of the Tennessee Titans coaching staff from after this game. I'll tell you about that next on 106.7 The Fan. Final segment of the 7 o'clock hour tonight. Danny Noakes with you on 106.7 The Fan. Caitlin is in studio producing the show. We're with you until 10 o'clock this evening. You can feel free to hit us up. 800-636-1067 is the MGM National Harbor listener line. Had a great couple of segments talking some college football over the last hour or so. Thanks again to John Laser for his time. Also did a little recap of the Thursday night football game in the most recent segment. And that is where we find ourselves right now. And it's because that there was kind of a strange, uh, that's, that's what I'm going to call it. There was, there was sort of a strange story that came in the aftermath of this game. And there was actually the Titans offensive coordinator who was charged with a DUI after the win over the green Bay Packers. And, and the thing that makes it weird is the timetable of events here, right? The Titans were on the road in green Bay last night and they got a big win over the Packers, big win cause for celebration, Winning a road game in the NFL is hard, but Titans have won seven of the last eight games. They're rolling. Now, Titans offensive coordinator Todd Downing is the man that was charged with DUI speeding as well early Friday morning. So here's the timetable. He went through the intake process at 4.36 a.m. today. He posted a $2,500 bail bond at 6.46 a.m. I'm assuming this is... This is central time, probably. Uh, And the Titans, if you'll remember, landed back in Nashville at 2.07 a.m. So from 2.07 a.m. to 4.36 a.m. when the intake process began, or maybe that's when it ended, that's only, you know, a little bit less than two and a half hours that that Downing had, you know, the time to to go and and get buzzed to the point where he would have been under the influence. That's That's a pretty quick time span to make that happen. The Titans released a statement saying they are aware of the situation and they're gathering additional information. Head coach Mike Vrabel and all of the Titans brass is aware of that. Here's an interesting tidbit that Mike Vrabel said in one of his statements. He noted the Titans have a program for employees to call for a ride home no matter the time of day since before he was even hired as head coach in 2018. So that was four years ago. And he's saying that their program for employees to call for a ride home no matter what time of day has been in place since before he even got there. So... You know, obviously, several mistakes were made here by Todd Downing, the offensive coordinator of the Tennessee Titans. I can't imagine that he keeps his job after this, but I guess we'll see what happens. There's another there's another thing here that I want to uh, call back on. And I saw this because someone tweeted it out. It's a it's a actually it's a statement from the NFL. And they assumed that it was about Taylor Heineke and. You know. The fact that Heineke was on the plane this past, I guess it was Monday night after the win, right? A win over the Eagles, where he was drinking Bush 
flashlight and they were putting chains on them and you know no one was belligerent or anything they were just having fun they weren't doing anything different than what <laughs> kirk cousins and the vikings have been doing in in doing the whole kirko whatever they call him uh that that whole bit if you will so there was a statement released i'm going to read just part of it for you because it's it's a couple paragraphs long but here it is from the national football league quote in light of recent events clubs are reminded that league policy prohibits alcoholic beverages including beer in the locker rooms practice or office facilities or while traveling on team buses or planes at any time during the preseason regular season or postseason. This applies to all players, coaches, club personnel, and guests traveling with your team. This policy has been in place for many years, end quote. Again, there's a little bit more to that statement than I read off, but that's the the gist of it that you need, right? So it's understandable that you might think that Taylor Heineke being on Instagram, being on, you know, social media, being promoted as uh you know as he was after that win and it was a lot of fun for for any fans of the commanders like myself but uh you could understand why people would assume that that came from him i'm not so sure about that because you just had a head coach or sorry not a head coach let me correct myself it was the offensive coordinator todd downing that was just charged with dui i think it had more to do with that considering that this statement came out today and he was booked for DUI early this morning. I don't really think they cared a whole lot about Taylor Heineke. I'm sure that it played some role in, in issuing this statement, but the, the point there is, you know, there was something that transpired that was a little bit more serious than, than guys having some fun on the plane. And, and maybe that's maybe that's what the Titans were doing too, and it just wasn't broadcasted on social media the same way that you know the the commanders did theirs when when they were having a little bit of fun on on monday night in in the you know basking in the afterglow of the win over the eagles the titans might have been doing the same exact thing and obviously there's there's no alcoholic beverages allowed on any buses or planes that nfl players coaches staff members not even allowed in the facilities so obviously that's a a big no-no we just have to you know monitor the situation there see exactly what happens with downing for heineke i don't i do not expect him to to face any discipline obviously that would be a little bit ridiculous considering he is he is of age uh and you know didn't get into any trouble there so uh slap on the wrist a statement is probably the worst that that he'll get there different story for downing who who ends up being charged with a dui here but uh, you know, there there also were some Vikings players that, that came out, and, and this is related to what was going on with the Commanders and, and their postgame celebration and, and not any way related to the DUI situation there with, with Tennessee's offensive coordinator. But there were some Vikings that were mad. They were big mad about uh, about Taylor Heineke and, and the Commanders doing some celebrating in similar fashion to the way that the Vikings have been celebrating with Kirk Cousins. It, you know, it, it amazes me how short some people's memories are and just how a lot of people think that everything has to be about them, right? I don't even remember who the Vikings player was. It was somebody that's way down the depth chart, somebody that barely sees the field that had to come out and say something about the commanders putting chains on Taylor Heineke and, you know, just having fun on the plane and, you know, dancing around a little bit and just basking in the afterglow of, of a big win. And 
the guy, the Vikings player, basically said they're trying to be us. They can't be us, these clowns. And <laughs> I just wanted to say you're welcome for beating Philadelphia, for one, because the only loss on your schedule right now is the Eagles, and they pummeled you guys. I mean, they pummeled you, right? Yes, the Vikings just beat the Commanders a week ago, but that was a game that the Commanders easily could have won. Talk all the smack you want. Minnesota's never won anything. So I, I just, I don't know. I, I, I think that there was a, um, there's a little bit of a, a lack of self-awareness there uh, because, by the way, the first person to don chains basking in the afterglow of a win recently to my memory was Ryan Fitzpatrick when I believe he was in Tampa Bay before Tom Brady got there and he came out in one of those press conferences with a jacket that was half unzipped chains hanging out wearing sunglasses you know his big beard and he's got a hairy chest so it it looked really funny uh but he was the first guy to do it and you know that's where the that lack of awareness that um that, that lack of self-awareness and, and the quick memories that everyone seems to have really starts to, to, to play into there. But anyway, so let's put that Thursday night game in the rearview mirror. Let's start to look forward to the NFL weekend and look forward to the Commanders and the Texans. Coming up next, why Taylor Heineke has to be the guy the rest of the season. There was no decision to be made this week because Carson Wentz not activated off of injured reserve. But there might be next week, or maybe it even stretches into the week after. I think the way that the team is playing, Taylor Heineke has to be the guy going forward. We'll dive into all of that coming up next on 106.7 The Fan. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.